that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Here on fourteen fifty, the sports buzz. Another chilly day in the Louisville area. It's only going to get colder as time moves on. It's game day for Kentucky. It seems like it's been a while since the Cats have been in basketball action. We'll get back at it tonight at Rupp Arena. It seems like a really, really long time since they've last been at Rupp to play a game, but they're back tonight uh, play, taking on Ole Miss. The last time they played at Rupp Arena, December 13th against North Carolina in that win. North Carolina with a tough loss last night to Notre Dame. Texas gets killed by Oklahoma at home. Uh, Not a good day for UK's former opponents. That's not going to help UK shrink the schedule. Uh, But, you know, like I mentioned in college basketball last yesterday, it just doesn't it doesn't seem to be an up year. Uh, I think there's only a few good teams, but uh, one of those good teams is not Ole Miss. Kentucky will take those guys on tonight. We talked yesterday how much more fun it'd be if Marshall Henderson was on this team and we were able to preview a game with Marshall Henderson in it. Uh, that won't be the case, uh, but we should have a fun show nonetheless. We're going to talk Kobe Bryant's AAU comments. We're going to talk a little bit about the Baseball Hall of Fame. We don't talk a lot of baseball on here, uh, but we may spend just a few minutes talking about that. And uh, there's, there's plenty more to talk about on today's show. Uh, joined here with my dog Abe, who's in the studio and currently chewing on a sock. Whatever will keep him busy for the next hour is fine with me. Uh, Yates, how are you today? Doing well. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, just been working this morning, and then right after the radio show today, I'll have to head on up to Lexington uh, covering that game. I, I, I was. Uh, kind of excited to cover this game. It, you know, I, I like obviously my job and I like working, but there's some nights where, you know, I don't want to make the trip up to Lexington. I'd rather just watch on TV, but I was anxious to to head up there tonight for the game. Curious what kind of crowd we'll see on the one hand. Ole Miss, not a great opponent. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, how many good SEC opponents are UK fans going to be able to watch in Rupp Arena this year? There's very few, if any. Uh, secondly, it's been such a long time since Kentucky's played at Rupp uh, and even played a basketball game in general. I expect UK fans want to get out there and, and be able to enjoy the atmosphere. Uh, UK school starts, I believe, if it hasn't already started, it's probably going to start tomorrow. So the students should be back on campus getting ready for their second semester. Uh, maybe maybe it goes another week. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not a student anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but we'll have to keep an eye on that. As always, want to hear your your thoughts and opinions. You can tweet in the show at T Walker Rivals. Uh, text into the show, see what is on your mind today. Uh, but like I said, we we should have a good show, a busy show. Uh, before we get into it, I, I mentioned yesterday we hadn't gotten into much of the nonsense uh, that usually joins the sports talker, but. Yates, I found this game on the computer today. It kind of took away from some of my work, uh, which was unfortunate. But you work from home. You don't have anybody really monitoring what you're supposed to be doing. It can get a little bit distracting. But uh, I found the Oregon Trail on available on computer. I, I, obviously, you have to be familiar with the Oregon Trail, right, Yates? 
Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I saw somebody on my, uh, not somebody that I'm friends with on Facebook, but they tagged somebody that I'm friends with. Uh, they posted an article from the Washington Post about uh, the Internet Archive, uh, which, among other things, apparently has what's called the Wayback Machine. So you can type in, I guess, a date and a website and see websites from back from like the late 90s. They linked to like the, the White House's website in 1999, and it just looks incredible. Uh, but the, the gist of the article was that there are all these uh, MS-DOS games that are on this website now that you can go and play on, you know, in your internet browser. And one of them that they listed obviously was the Oregon trail. So, and that's where I, that's where I saw it as well. The same, the same sort of deal, although I did not know about the time traveler or, or deal, that'd be pretty cool. I might have to check that out, but I did see uh, the Oregon trail. So I decided to play it because I can't remember the last time I played it. And I know I had before, but really it wasn't, it was a little bit before my generation. That, but I, I, was, I kind of wondered if that would, might be the case. That I was maybe a little surprised that you knew what it was. it was. It was a little bit before my generation, but you know, my brother, his friends, they knew about it, uh, and you know, obviously, I was familiar with it. But it wasn't like something we played growing up or did played a lot of. But I, I had played it. But it, I mean, it probably had been. 15 years it had been a really long time so it was fun to kind of play it and see whatever what all the fuss was about uh my first time playing all five of my passengers we made it through no issues nobody died uh so that was good i i i kind of want to play it again to see some of the different scenarios of all the the terrible things that could happen because i was kind of playing to win so uh what what all can happen yates you can get attacked by uh, Native Americans, you can have people get the flu and fever. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine. I think one of the, one of the things that I recall happening with regard to illness was dysentery. I think you can yep. get dysentery. Um, I would I would imagine fever or something like that is is one of them. I don't remember all of them specifically. Um, I know, and I I recall uh, attempting to ford the river, which may or may not lead to your Wagon being submerged in water, uh, breaking an axle on your wagon, just all kinds of just exciting, scary yep. things. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll tweet out that link for listeners if you get bored and feel like playing. But it was, uh, it it, yeah, it probably took about twenty twenty five minutes, but it was a good time. It was enjoyable. Uh, but anyway, so the, so there's some of the nonsense to start the show. Uh, I, I saw this on Twitter. It's it's relatively new news. Uh, the NCAA will pay up to four thousand dollars for families of players in the Final Four to go visit uh, and go watch the Final Four. Four thousand dollars in travel expenses. Now, uh, I, I'm unclear if that is. $4,000 to be distributed amongst the team. And, you know, I guess that'd be anywhere from 10 to 12 players that could, I guess it'd be 12 players. You got 12 scholarship players. Uh, I, I don't know if that's $4,000 to be used for 12 players. That would equal out to $333 a family. I don't know if that would be a lot for travel expenses. If you had to travel across the country, I don't even know if that'd be a plane ticket in some situations, or I don't know if that's $4,000 for a player or for a family themselves. If that's the case, that seems 
a bit much, right, Yates? Yeah, although, I mean, when you talk about going to the Final Four, I guess depending on how many people are considered a family, I mean, plane tickets and hotel prices are jacked up and wherever you're at. And I don't I mean, uh, yeah, that's probably a little excessive, but hopefully it's not per team because that's not going to get anybody there. That's true. I, and the more I read about it, and, and, and again, this is relatively breaking relatively new across Twitter, at least new to me, uh, the more um, the more I read about it, the more I see about it. I, I think it is $3,000 for families in the semifinals and 4000 for the Final Four and $4,000 if, if your kid, uh, if your relative makes it to the championship. That, that seems a bit more, you know, if you look at it, if you're going to get there on a Friday and your team's going to be playing in the championship, which would be on a Monday, you'd have to get out of there on a Tuesday. You know, that, that's, a, that's a few nights at a hotel. And then you got your plane tickets. You got to be able to afford food and this and that. So if it is 4000 a family, then, you know, that's going to be 48000 a team. Uh, so you're talking, you know, close to 100000 the NCAA would be paying out, which would not be much to them. But it is it is three thousand or four thousand, depending how far your team goes, for each family and each player. So good job by the NCAA. Uh, you know the NCAA catches. It, it seems like everybody wants to attack the NCAA. It seems like the scapegoat for so many problems in college athletics, uh, and then they come out here and do that. So I, I think that's good news. Uh, uh, should give some people. Uh, not barking at the NCAA like it's, it's happened so often, uh, but I, I'm happy to see that. And uh, you know, for some families, they don't need it, and they were there anyways. You know, you had the the Harrisons uh, right there. I think you had Julius Randall right there. Their families right there at the Final Four. Uh, of course, with Julius Randall, you know, being close, living close to Dallas, growing up. That wasn't probably an issue for him. So most families, it probably wasn't an issue, but you know there are some that just wouldn't be able to afford it. Uh, good to see this. Good to uh, have the NCAA do that and be able to have family members at- attend. Because, you know, I couldn't even imagine. You, you talk about us, yeah, it's me and you, just, uh, you know, fans and-, and working media members. You go to a Final Four, it's something you're never going to forget. Just imagine having your son play in the Final Four. Uh, just crazy. So, uh, you know, the, the big question is here is what does this mean going forward for the NCAA? Do they start doing this for, does it eventually run down to tournament games that they're paying for families' expenses? Is it, you know, maybe they'll play it, pay for one family's expenses during the season to travel out to see their, their son play? Uh, does it reach other sports? Does it reach bowl games? Does it reach the college football playoffs? Uh, I'm curious to see how this all starts to unfold with the NCAA finally starting to give back to some of their student-athletes. Again, I'm generally support the NCAA. I don't think they're as bad as people as uh, some national media members will make them out to be. I think they do a relatively good job. I think they do good things. Uh, I, I think their heart's in the right place most of the time. Uh, but this is a cool thing to see, although I, I wonder if it can start to spiral where people are going to start asking them to support and do all this other stuff that, again, they, they may not want to to pay for all that. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on But for right now, 
a nice gesture by the NCAA and I think something that we can all be uh, happy about, especially with Kentucky and Louisville generally having a good chance of playing in the Final Four. Anyways, uh, so plenty more to talk about as Abe is getting really wanting to get into the show. He seems passionate about the NCAA. Uh, Abe, again, is my dog who joins us in the studio today. But Kentucky, Ole Miss tonight. Uh, Ole Miss, uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned yesterday on the show that we're going to preview some of the X's and O's of, the, of this game. There's really not a ton to talk about. Uh, Kentucky should cruise, you would think. Uh, the line for this game, 22 and a half. I think that seems a little high uh, for those interested in betting the game. I, I Again, Kentucky hasn't played in a long time. I don't expect them to necessarily be rusty, but to be able to to beat a team by 22 and a half points after not playing for nine days, you'd have to imagine that all th- you know you have to be clicking. And again, I don't think Ole Miss is great. I don't think they're a very good team at all. But 22 and a half, even at home, seems a bit high. And if Kentucky's able to cover that spread, then you know you think the rest of the year shouldn't be uh, there. Shouldn't be any major issues. Uh, but you, you have some familiar names on this Ole Miss team. You've got Ladarius White. We've heard about him and Jarvis Summers, who seems like he's been there for a while. Those are two of their three leading scorers. Uh, but the, you know the thing about this Ole Miss team: not a very good rebounding team. They don't have any dominant rebounders, and you can't imagine that boating, you know, going well for uh, the Rebels going against Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, one of the better rebounding teams in college basketball. Ole Miss doesn't have a person that rebound that that averages over five and a half rebounds a game. Now, you know, it's rebound by committee, which can be a good thing for some teams. But if it's really, you know, it could be rebound committee where everybody you have several people averaging eight rebounds per game, or it can be rebound by committee where you have everybody averaging around three to four rebounds or five rebounds a game. Uh, the 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 latter is not nearly as good as the former in that situation. So not a good rebounding Ole Miss team. And I, I think Kentucky should be able to dominate the glass. And that's good news for Kentucky because I think that's going to take some of the pressure off the offense having to look good. In, in that Louisville game, for example, uh, Kentucky's offense didn't look great. It, it didn't necessarily matter because Louisville was going to have a tough time scoring. But the offense didn't look good. And, and Kentucky wasn't getting a ton of second-chance points in that game. Uh, you know, you could have Andrew Aaron Harrison or Devin Booker miss some outside shots, but if Kentucky's able to get offensive rebounds and put it back up, you're not really going to remember the outside shots. You're going to remember that Kentucky's still scoring on possessions, and that can that can instill confidence. That can make UK's entire team feel better, and I think that again could go a long way for the Cats. And uh, this isn't a very good passing Ole Miss team. You've got Jarvis Summers, who's their leading assist getter. Uh, at three and a half assists per game, uh, he's their six-three guard. Again, not not a, not a great Ole Miss team, and uh, we can't spend too much time talking about things from their perspective, from their X's and O's. Now, again, if they had a guy like Marshall Henderson, one of the more entertaining, Yates, where would Marshall Henderson rank for you in terms of entertaining college basketball players over the past five years? Uh, I mean, as far as just somebody who you pretty much always wanted to be aware of what he was doing, good or bad, um, I mean, he'd probably be near the top. I think he'd. I think he'd have to be. And 
uh, if you go from a casual stand, fan standpoint, I think he'd have to be near the top because, you know, he plays on Ole Miss. Ole Miss isn't very good. He was able to get to the Sweet 16 one year and, and really probably should have went further than that. Uh, I, I felt that Ole Miss team was, pre- was pretty decent. But from the average fan stand, uh, standpoint, he was hilarious. He's always doing something stupid or goofy and making a scene and very, very uh, confident in his game. And then you put off-the-court issues. Uh, it just made him a you know, must-see. Uh, let's think of some other players in maybe the past five years that would be entertaining to watch. From, you know, it, it depends. If you're looking for a good basketball player standpoint, uh, Marshall Henderson maybe doesn't make that list, although I thought he was pretty good. Uh, he just didn't have a lot of help around him, and he had the ultimate green light. If you're going from like a good basketball player standpoint, maybe Marshall Henderson doesn't make that list. But if you're going from entertaining to watch in terms of he's funny, he does silly things on the court, and an entertaining player with how he plays the game, I think Russ Smith would have to be on there as well. Uh, he, again, he had a a major green light, would do some – Things that would have Louisville fans yelling "No, no, no," and then he'd score, and uh, Louisville fans would, you know, would be happier for for his reckless plays. I think Russ Smith would certainly be on there. Uh, trying to think of some other ones, I, I'm sure there's plenty. Uh, yeah, Demarcus Cousins, you know, he he was fun to watch on the court, and and maybe his little attitude on the court. Uh, was entertaining, or you hated watching it, one or the other, but you still you still watched. Uh, so uh, disappointing that it's the end of the Marshall Henderson run at Ole Miss. I think um, I think he was underrated. I remember just having debates after debate whether or not he was good for college basketball, and maybe as an ambassador for college basketball, he wasn't great because he had some drug issues. He was, uh, you know, you had you had the the racist comments. I, what was it? Yates last year after he had already graduated that he said he said it, it was the, the homophobic comments with Michael Sam and then uh, he, he tweeted that his little cousins didn't need to see that and it was disgusting and this and that and then he ended up saying that it was a a, a, a science project did he say or a social experiment Yates do you remember that yeah it was some sort of a social experiment or something yeah it it turned out that his gay friend was doing a social experiment and and tweeted out that on his account and everybody was freaking out. Just, uh, I mean, uh, you have to give him for creativity on his excuses for being a loser and tweeting out stupid things and not thinking before hitting the send button. Uh, Creative, nonetheless, still very, very, very stupid uh, and just kind of fit into the whole Marshall Henderson his storyline, it was fitting, just very fitting for him. Uh, so we miss him, though. We miss him as a basketball player, maybe not as a person in terms of what he stood for. Uh, I, he did take some pictures with some of my friends, my UK friends, including Clay B. Clay B. One Sixteen after the UK Ole Miss game in Rupp Arena last year. Uh, so you know he seemed to be nice to the fans, uh, but just obviously as a different way about thinking and, and maybe even slightly backwards, uh, at least in my opinion. 
So don't miss that part of him, but do miss his on the court antics, which were again just hilarious. Uh, anyways, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little MLB baseball, and uh, the they there's gonna be some new members entering the Hall of Fame today with the voting. Uh, Kobe Bryant had some comments about the AAU. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. We'll make some predictions on basketball games tonight. Uh, we've really gone away from the PT picks of the week, which is unfortunate. There's just not a good setting or format uh, for. PT picks of the week when it comes to college basketball. You know, maybe we could do it with the NFL playoffs. We'll have to see. But uh, we'll pick some games tonight, and, and that'll be a good time. Uh, so stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back. Tinted windows don't mean nothing. They know who's inside. Yeah, it's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right, on time is tricky. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here. Second segment. Sports Talker. Uh, We don't talk when it comes to sports. One sport we don't spend a lot of time with on the show here is baseball. Uh, And it seems strange to be talking baseball in January on a show where we don't really spend much time on it all together. Uh, but we are going to mention it a little bit today. Uh, and, and Yates, I know Trevor is a, is a relatively big or at least a bigger baseball fan. And I like baseball. I'm, I'm a Red Sox fan. Uh, you know, last year wasn't a fun year, so I probably didn't talk about it as much maybe as I would have had I had the show in 2013 when they won the world series. Uh, but you know, it, it doesn't seem like a ton of people in the Louisville Lexington area generally want to hear baseball. Well, this seems like a hot topic, and, and maybe I, I have some hot takes, really not that hot, but at least wanted to throw it out there for discussion. Uh, you had four new players elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame today, and it's the first time since 1955 that four players were selected in one year. You had Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez. Uh, I love Pedro uh, growing up. Uh, John Smoltz and Craig Biggio. You know, I have no problem with those four guys getting in. I think Randy Johnson had one of the higher percentages, 97.3 of anybody. I think maybe the eighth highest percentage of anybody ever to get in. Uh, In all four of those guys, very deserving. Now, Two guys that are not getting in this year, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Uh, both those guys, I think you've got to get 75% of the 549 ballots to get in. So you have to have 75% of those votes, uh, which I guess would probably be, you know, maybe around 400. And. Roger Clemens, Barry Bond finish with 206 and 202, respectively. Uh, so they are significantly behind, although they're up from their voting from last year. And, and you've got a lot of, uh, you know, Barry Bond and, and Clemens are 
tainted by the the steroids uh, and all that the when that just kind of took over major league baseball and the, two of those three you know two of those guys are probably the you know the poster child for the steroid era in baseball uh, of course Barry Bonds who has the most home runs in major league baseball uh, he's the guy you probably first think of when you hear about steroids yeah, should those guys be in the Hall of Fame? I'm going to say no. And why not? Uh, because of the- Can you hear me? There we go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, just the, the whole steroids. And I mean, I, I know the argument that everybody was doing it is out there, but I don't know. I just personally, I have a problem putting somebody in who probably was as successful as they were not to say those guys wouldn't be great baseball players regardless but but probably was as successful as they were because they were taking steroids here's here's a few of the things that that and i think they should be in because that was the era that you know they weren't it wasn't like Alex Rodriguez, who's been in trouble with it since it's been a hundred percent illegal. They've had stiff penalties for it. It's you know everybody was doing it back then, and is Barry Bonds the same hitter that he is without steroids? You know, probably not. Uh, very you know very unlikely that he is. But he, almost what he did was so unbelievable. And so impressive. You almost, at least for me, it's almost like you can look around it because first off, even if you put him in the Hall of Fame, what are people going to think of Yates when they hear Barry Bonds? They're going to think of home runs and steroids. I mean, it's not like you put him in the Hall of, Hall of Fame and that's completely forgotten. He's always going to be associated with that, even even after, you know, he's fifty years old. Even in another fifty years after he moves on. He's still going to be associated with home runs and steroids. So putting him in the Hall of Fame, it's not going to, you know, you're not acting like he was completely clean. And really just the best home run hitter that we've ever seen that I'm likely ever going to see. And even more impressive is even if he's on steroids. And he was, obviously. How many hittable pitches did he get in a baseball game? How many of his home runs that he hit, his 762 home runs, how many of those came off strikes, would you say? At least, I mean, less than 50%. This is a guy that never, never saw strikes and still just clobbered balls. Just sent them... To places we've never seen. Uh, his career, he was just below a 300 hitter. Nearly 3,000 hits. And you know, e- even when he was with the Pirates, he was a pretty good baseball player. 14-time All-Star. And then a guy like Roger Clemens, who I, you know, I, I think Barry Bonds should be in over him. But Roger Clemens, the only seven-time Cy Young winner in Major League Baseball. And he deserves to be in too. 
But I, I think you've got two guys that, again, there's nothing that you can it, – it's, you know, there's no men in black pen to make people forget. You put them in the Hall of Fame and people are still going to know that there's a lot of dark clouds that surround their entire careers. But I think in the context of it all, in the time and the era that they played baseball, you know, they, they weren't the only two bad guys in baseball if you want to consider uh, chi- if you want to consider using drugs to make you a better player or a bad guy. They weren't the only two, and it let you know. I, I don't know what percentage you want to say that Major League Baseball you had players using something to uh, boost their performance. You know, do you want to say fifty percent? Is it sixty percent? I, I think it probably would be more than fifty percent. These two guys, and, and especially Barry Bonds, were able to just move way, way past these other players that were using and, and even in some cases abusing. And the sad thing is, I don't know if they're ever going to get in. I, I, I almost feel that the, at least the vibe I get in Yates, you said that you don't think they get in and, and I understand why people don't, but it almost seems like the, the casual fan for the most part thinks they should be in. But We'll have to see. Clay B116 says Pete Rose should be in before them. Pete Rose didn't do anything to enhance his game and make him a better player like Barry and, and Roger. Pete, uh, Pete was before the steroid players. And then he wants me to prove that <laughs> less than 50% of Barry Bond's home runs came off balls instead of strikes. Uh, I'm not going to be able to prove that, Clay B116. But, I mean, he just – he got – I don't know if he's the most walked player in baseball, uh, but I'd imagine he'd have to be up there if he's not number one and just never got clean looks ever and still would just take a ball that was way too way, way outside and be able to be able to hit it out of the park. And then if you threw inside on him, I mean, it was just gone. It had no chance. Throwing inside on him was, would be almost worse than just throwing a, a strike right down the middle. Not really, but maybe. And then with the Pete Rose claim, you know, is, is that Yates again? You're you're a little older than me. Is the Pete Rose stuff? Is that just a dead horse at this point? Um. Gosh, I mean, maybe I, I I'm of the belief that he should be in. I mean, I don't know. I feel like he's paid for his crime. But, yeah, I mean, it does get a little old hearing about it. Yeah, it it, it just it doesn't seem like it's it, it's ever going to happen. And I agree with you, Clay B116. You know, I... I don't know. I, I don't know. It's obviously, it's a it's a... It's an issue that has people torn, and I think I'm even torn on the Pete Rose stuff. Uh, what he did didn't take away from how good of a baseball player he was. He was a really, really good baseball player. But to compare him to Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, because you know they they did stuff. You know Barry Bonds enhanced his game, and it was frowned upon now, and and people don't want to vote on him because they consider him a cheater. Uh, Pete Rose 
he didn't do anything necessarily to Hanson's game, but there's still dark clouds over him, just like there are Barry Bonds. But it's not like everybody was betting on baseball when Pete Rose was. And it, and yes, everybody was not using steroids when Barry Bonds was using steroids, but I, I still think maybe the slight majority of the league was doing something that would now be frowned upon. So to Pete Rose, I, I don't think it's the exact same situation, the exact same scenario. Great baseball player. Uh, and and Brun DMC is going to have a little say in that. He says that integrity and character are part of the six voting that that go into the that you you take into consideration when you're voting. So you do take into integrity and character. So you know that's understandable. With Pete Rose, that you know that makes sense. Now I, I think the whole lifetime ban from baseball and this and that. I think that maybe is a bit a bit much. I don't know if you never necessarily have to do that. But with Barry, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were just so good. Even if cheating with a lot of other people cheating, they still soared above the crowd. And does that make it acceptable? Should that make them role models? No. But I, I think they need to have a special place in baseball history for what they were able to do. Just, just my opinion. Uh, I don't know. Yates, anything else on that? No, that's about all I got. I'm sure Trevor will talk about it, and uh, Trevor knows a little bit more about baseball than I, I do, so I'm curious to hear what he has to say about it, the show coming up after ours. Um, anyways, uh, Rob Blackhawk tweets in and says, Cowboys versus Packers. He wants us to talk about that. Uh, Rob Blackhawk's a Cowboys fan. Obviously, I'm a Packers fan. These two will meet in the playoffs at Lambeau Field for the first time since the Ice Bowl. Uh, I've got this awesome, sweet jacket. It's probably one of my favorite jackets, and I've had it for years now. Uh, it's all white, and on the back, it's got green stitching that says, you know, the Ice Bowl has the date of the game. Uh, it's a throwback Green Bay I wouldn't really call it a jacket, or I guess it is, it's a zip-up jacket, but it's it's got kind of a mesh material. Uh, it's a throwback, and then on the inside of one of the jacket, and then the inside of the jacket has the story of the ice bowl and uh, just how crazy of a game that was. Uh, so that will be a fun game. We'll probably talk more about the NFL playoffs later in the week, but kind of leapfrogging with Rob Blackhawk bringing that up. Brun DMC had tweeted me a link that I that I thought was pretty interesting uh, about the NFL Hard Knocks, and you know I, I knew that I knew two things about what I'm about to say. NFL Hard Knocks is a show that comes on an HBO in the off season, I guess sometime around July, late July or early August, and it's basically just a 24/7 inside look of a team's uh, final preparations for the season as they go through the preseason cut their team down and basically the episode ends the week before the NFL starts. And it's one of the, I think the coolest things you see on TV because it is just a real legitimate look inside an NFL team, how it works, general managers, head coaches, players, what it's like to be cut, what it's like to make the team, what it's like to have a season and ending injury before the season starts. I mean, it's just such a raw live look into the show and it's one of my favorite things to watch. Uh, but I, I had known that NFL teams could volunteer to be on the show. 
And I had known that most NFL teams do not want to be on the show, uh, but Brun DMC sent in an interesting article from NBC Sports that they have uh, basically the NFL can tell a team, hey, you're going to be on. We're going to show your team, and you can't say no to it. But there is ways that you can be exempt, and that's if you have a first-year head coach if your team has made the playoffs the last two seasons, and if your team has been on the show in the past decade. So you would think that would take out a lot of teams. At least I would. Uh, you know, there's, there's been several teams that have been to the playoffs the last two years. Uh, you know, I, I guess there's probably going to be four or five teams that are going to have a new head coach heading into this year. And... Several teams have been on the show the last decade since they've been doing it. But there's still a long list of teams that are eligible. And Yates, I want to know what team you would want to see most, although I think I already have a, a guess. All right, so here's a, here are the teams that are eligible. The Redskins, the Giants, the Vikings, the Bucks, the Rams, the Browns, the Texans, the Jaguars, and the Titans. I mean... Who, ju who jumps out at you there? I think for entertainment purposes, you have to go with the Browns. And my girlfriend just texted in the show and said the Browns, even before I listed off the team names, uh, the Browns would be just fantastic. I mean, that would be must-see TV, assuming they still have Johnny Football, assuming they still have Josh Gordon. Uh, you know, how could you not want to watch that? And maybe the 24-hour, uh, you know, having live coverage 24-7. You know, maybe we get to have an inside look at one of Johnny Manziel's parties and, and maybe have a, you know, a smoke night with Josh Gordon and be able to have a live look in with those guys. I, I mean, how awesome would that be? Uh, I, I don't know if either one of those guys are going to be with the Browns next season. <laughs> But I, I think that would probably be my guess, too, although there's a lot of intriguing teams. I thought for sure, Yates, you would have said the Vikings, so you would have gotten basically your, your fill of Teddy there. Yeah, I mean, that would be – it'd be fun to sort of get to see him behind the scenes and stuff like that. But, I mean, I, I, I love Teddy to death, but I don't know that he's a very exciting guy when it comes to off-the-field kind of stuff. I mean, he, he's a great kid, and he's never heard of him – getting into any kind of trouble. So if we're talking about just purely entertainment value. I think you probably want to see the bike or the, the Browns. I, I agree with you. I think the Browns are kind of the runaway for exciting. Uh, I think the Vikings would, I honestly think the Vikings would be fun just because you do have a quarterback starting to come into the zone. Uh, I would enjoy seeing that. Let, let's see the giants. I think that would be, that'd be okay. You could do worse than the giants. Uh, but I, I would pass on them. The Bucks, no thanks. The Rams could be interesting with the move to to L.A. I doubt that would probably make the show or be talked about, but, you know, it, it, that would be fun interactions because you have to imagine the fan base in St. Louis is nervous and anxious and starting to resent some of the higher-ups there. Uh, Texans, J.J. Watt would be fun. You know, it'd be okay. Jaguars, no thank you. Titans, Titans, maybe just from a a what the hell happened standpoint, I think would be interesting. Uh, and then any team that selects Winston 
if if he does in fact decide to go pro, which I'm sure he will, if if Winston's drafted on any of the listed above teams, sign me up. And then I, I honestly would like to see the I think the hard knocks for Washington would be fun just from a Redskins nickname standpoint because you know they'd have to talk about that or you know they'd have some parts of the episode where they discuss that. Uh, I would be all for that. Maybe you'd have Dan Snyder trying to defend himself, that that idiot. I would be all for uh, Washington having hard knocks as well. Uh, so the Vikings, Washington, and the Browns would be my, my front three with maybe the Browns being my front runner. Uh, that would be super, super entertaining. And yeah, you could see Johnny Menzel be late for meetings. You could... They'd have a camera following him, why he'd be late. Just be, it'd be good stuff. Uh, anyways, we're going to head to our final commercial break. We'll come back. I'll give some predictions for the Kentucky game tonight. I'll talk a little college basketball. And then I'm hitting the road to Lexington. Uh, and you hopefully will stick around and continue to listen to 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back. To the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, 1450, the Sports Buzz. Uh, One person asked me uh, about a week ago uh, why we don't have as many guests on during the show as we used to. Um, The the short answer is because I'm I'm a little bit busier to try to schedule getting guests on. Uh, That's the short answer. And also, you know, I, I only have an hour show. Uh, if I get a guest on, it takes up a whole segment of, of things I want to talk about. Sometimes, uh, you know, I don't feel like talking for a whole hour. We get a guest on. Uh, so that that's the main reason. But I, I know the, uh, the person was kind of alluding towards last season for basketball and football or uh, during the fall for some football games, we'd get guests on to preview the other team. And, and I think even last year we had, uh, I think Neil McCready from Ole Miss's rival site come on and talk to Rebels. Didn't obviously do that today. Part of the reason for that is because, you know, I, Neil McCready is a great guy who covers Ole Miss. Do you think he wants to come on here and talk Ole Miss basketball? Uh, Kentucky's going to win, and they're going to win big tonight. Uh, so that's part of the reason that we haven't had as many guests on lately. Uh, and again, there there has been just so much news going on where I, I've selfishly wanted the whole hour. Uh, Wednesdays, we have Ask H Wednesdays. We can't lose that segment. That's the reason why we ha- haven't had guests on. And, and again, the short answer is because I haven't had as much time with work to text or call people and try to schedule them into it. I know that doesn't sound like it takes a while, but sometimes it can be a bit more confusing. I can promise you, though, at least I'm going to try when Kentucky plays Auburn this year, we're going to try to get on Jay Tate, uh, who we interviewed last year for the Kentucky Auburn game. And it was, and we've had so many good people on the sports talker over the past year. I don't think our show, my show is quite a year old yet, uh, but it, it's getting there. It's uh, at least 11 months. And 
we've had a lot of good people on and I'm very thankful for the people that have come on, but no interview is funnier or more entertaining to me at least than having Jay Tate on to talk about Auburn versus Kentucky last year. Uh, when he said that, you know, Auburn probably lose by 14 points. It'll be another typical Auburn basketball game and just sounded really down on the team that he covered uh, in large part, again, because he didn't really care. Uh, but I'm going to see I'm going to do everything I can to get him back on this year because uh, that was just fantastic. But that, that's the answer to that question about the guests. Uh, Kentucky Ole Miss again. Ole Miss returns four or five starters, but just hasn't clicked for Andy Kennedy. Andy Kennedy would not be the head coach there right now. Right now, had they not won the 2013 SEC tournament, that job, that that performance saved his job. Uh, he'd be coaching small ball somewhere right now, if not for that. Uh, as you have it, it just doesn't. It, it just not. It doesn't seem like it's going to work out for him, and, and it's unfortunate. I, I think he's a pretty all right coach. Uh, but it, it's just hard to win at some of these smaller programs in the SEC at places that they don't really care about basketball. It is what it is. It, it, it's not a great Ole Miss team. Uh, they're going to struggle, and then I expect Kentucky to win probably by 18 to 19 points. I do think Ole Miss covers, uh, but I think it's close uh, for those out there considering gambling or, or betting the game. Anyways... Uh, Speaking of Ole Miss, I kind of wanted to get to this. I wrote this down earlier in the show. I forgot to talk about it. Yates, did you see the Ole Miss fan that had a a pricey Uber on New Year's Eve? The guy that passed out? Yes. Yes. He was uh, Ole Miss. He's an Ole Miss fan, and he he left the the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl after TCU scored their first touchdown in the second half. And they went to a party after the game. Again, Ole Miss fan, and uh, you know they were there was drinking going on. It was New Year's Eve, and then they were going to go to an after party after this game, a- after their their initial party. Doesn't seem like a good idea. Uh, I don't know if the ball had already dropped or or what the what time all this was going on. But he was with three friends, and they they got an Uber, and he tells it that he asked the Uber driver if they needed an address. One of the friends said he already. They already told them the address, so he had nothing to worry about. Uh, so there's three people in the car. All three of them pass out. All three of them. I don't even know how that's possible, how drunk you have to be. The guy made it seem like he dozed off for a few minutes. Uh, if you're not familiar with Uber, it's, it's like a taxi service where you can call. They'll pick you up, uh, and they automatically charge your card. You don't pay anything in the card. You put your credit card information in prior to getting the Uber, and they have this thing called surge pricing. So when it's busy, let's say when the bars close at 4 o'clock in Louisville, or when you want to go out to the bar around 11 or 11.30, they have this thing called surge pricing as an incentive to get their drivers to continue to drive. Uh, so they, they can charge double, triple, quadruple, uh, you know, however much it is, however busy they are, they're going to do their surge pricing. Uh, so there must have been a serious surge price for this guy. He ended up putting his address in from uh, Oxford, Mississippi. So the the Uber driver kept driving, kept driving. He crossed into Alabama from Georgia, and uh, eventually the guy woke up, realized that it was a terrible mistake. As he had it, it was a, over a $900 Uber fare that, again, that is automatically charged. Now, the guy said he had talked to Uber about it. They've worked out some sort of deal. I imagine he's probably not paying $900. 
uh, but I imagine he probably is paying at least a couple hundred dollars. Maybe Uber let him do a payment plan of some sort. Uh, he said that he would use Uber again and that it was just a mistake, a, mis- a misunderstanding, and it just sounds like to me somebody got too drunk. Uh, I had a friend, I'm not going to drop his name, who passed out in a cab. The cab driver didn't know what to do with him, so kept just driving around and having the fare run. The guy eventually woke up, had a $120 cab fare, I was not too pleased about it, ended up paying it anyways. Uh, but, you know, Yates, what do you do if you're a cab driver in that situation or an Uber driver and somebody passes out in your car? Do you wake them up or or do you try to get your money? Oh, man. I think I, me personally, I probably would at some point try to wake them up. I, don't, I feel like you're being a little shady if you realize that they're passed out and you just keep driving around so that you could charge them more. I agree. I think you. I think you have to make an effort to make to wake them up or do something. I don't know. Maybe uh, in a lot of Ubers, you got to punch in your to where you're going before then, and maybe just drop them off the, to get them there, wake them up, and tell them that you're there, and you just get them out of the car. That might be dangerous, though. Uh, to you know, just try to drop them off or dump them as soon as you can. But uh, you know, I, in college, we had a sober drive when we were pledges in, in the fraternity that I was in. Uh, and there's a few times that people would pass out, but I had no problem waking them up. And obviously, you know, I we didn't get to charge the other members of her f- fraternity. I would, I don't think I would have driven around had that even been the case. Uh, so, uh, it, and it's an interesting story uh, there for that old Miss fan. As if losing forty-two to three in the Peach Bowl wasn't bad enough, you got to pay over a nine hundred dollar Uber fare. Anyways, we're out of time for today. I need to get on the road to Lexington. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow, 1450, the sports bus. They say welcome to the 502 Take the Jordan boy, show them how Kentucky do Uncle Preach Classics, paint Kentucky blue They say don't forget 270, over hitting two Song call it bluegrass, song call it purple I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap and take two